What's going on, guys and gals? My name is Chris Tonnevold, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where I interview cool people doing cool stuff, trying to figure out what makes them tick, what keeps them motivated, and being able to balance their life, career, family with the pursuit of their passions and and their dreams. Um, This week we have Brandon Nicholson from the bands Moldire and Last Known Yeti. We sat down at his recording studio called Instrumental Records, where he has recorded numerous bands and has, I have seen that place grow um, alongside his music for the past decade or so. So it was really great to be able to sit down with him, uh, hash everything out. Um, Moldire just released a split EP with Brothers Creeper, which you'll know from the previous episodes. Very great band. Please check them out. Uh, Naomi is the basis is releasing a zine in January, so that'll be really great. Um, speaking of releases, Last Known Yeti will have a release December 8th for their new EP. Um, they will also have a release show, The Brass Rail, uh, down in St. Mary's County. Moldire will possibly be releasing some material in January, so I'm very, very excited about that. If you haven't seen them live, Do yourself a favor, check that out. They're fantastic. Thank you, everybody who has listened so far and given me feedback. I really appreciate it. Uh, The more feedback, the better. That way I can try and make this whole bit better. Really want to be able to work hard and and get you good material. Anybody that you want to see on the show, anything that you want me to cover, please let me know. Hit me up on Facebook, um, at Ambition Radio, or at the email, ambitionradiopodcast at gmail.com. Please rate and review on iTunes, subscribe, all that good stuff. Feel free to listen to Spotify, Google Play, the whole bit. Thank you. Enjoy. You were just talking about how you don't really listen to music while you're writing anymore or playing in bands, right? That's that's what you were talking about? Yeah. It's uh, it's really difficult to write original guitar lines and to not be influenced by the stuff that I'm listening to on the radio in general anyways. And I'm going to still listen to music. But um, I'm an album guy. I like to sit down and listen to a song from the start to finish. And uh, the albums that make it from start to finish are the ones that make the cut. So it, it's like the, the music that really matters to me. I really don't sit down and, and enjoy it as much as I should while I'm playing and writing in bands. It's, uh, it's, I have to keep them separate, I guess. So I, I haven't had a lot of time recently to sit down and listen to music and it's, uh, kind of it's sad it makes me yeah sad. so you don't really enjoy the music real as much anymore because you're focused on what you're playing it sounds like then right yeah it's kind of uh it's kind of like a plague it's uh it kind of goes with what i'm doing i can't uh, uh I, I can't write the next blink 182 album so if i bought that album when it came out and start to finish you know it might influence me and i don't like to do that yeah, and then most most of the guitar parts have already been written, so you want to try to do as much different stuff and just noodling on it that you can, right? Yeah, I, I want to pull something out of my magic hat, not out of the album that I've been listening to over and over again. Has that always been the, the case for you when you've been in bands? Because you've been in bands forever, it seems like, because you were drumming first and then drumming with joy radio and now you're playing guitar in two different bands yeah that's right uh yeti and last known yeti and Maldire. uh yeah um even when when i was uh young playing in joy radio that was one of the first bigger bands and i played in a couple bands before that i uh 
I listened to a lot of music as I was younger. And then when I started playing music and playing along to music, I really learned my the ropes that way. But when I started writing Enjoy Radio on drums, um, a lot of the stuff that I was listening to came through as a pure influence. Like you, you can tell that I was listening to a lot of Led Zeppelin and a lot of System of a Down. Like it's, it's right there in my drums. And I noticed that and it wasn't a bad thing. Um, and I still do that to this day. So the things that influence me most are still going to come through in the music. But um, I like to uh, make sure that they're the things that I truly love before they, they bleed into my music life. Um, so yeah, with Joy Radio, I, I for those like heavy years where we were really writing mm-hmm. a lot and playing a lot, I really wasn't listening to music as much as I was. Um, and then uh, my life is just busy, anyways. So I don't I don't even want to go there yet. Uh, <laughs> I do a lot of different things, and I really don't get to sit down and listen to music. That yeah, I, that is to. sad. Because that I mean that's that's kind of like my whole life. Like if if I didn't have music, I don't know what I would do. So. I just, I'm always looking forward to the next thing. There's, there's not going to be a bad moment in my life because as soon as, you know, I get the chance and some downtime, I'm going to do all these things that I love. I don't get to, now, I'm going to listen to some music, you know? Right. And with, with you going and playing a lot of local shows, a lot of just shows in general, do you find anything that's around you in your, your area that you're, you're looking at, you're, you're seeing from these other bands influence the way that you're playing at all? Um, you know, I, I'd like to say yes, like, and really like give it to all these guys because they're great and amazing and they are inspiring, but I don't think that I take away any musical content. I think what I take away is, is a sense of, uh, 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 caring for the people that we're working with. And I pick up a lot of that stuff and I I don't think that like, I don't think you're going to hear me playing uh, Travers guitar from shallow deep. Right. You know, I'm not going to steal his riff as much as I'm going to steal his vibe because he's a good dude and. And uh, those kind of things are good, but I don't, I don't know. Um, and actually, the same thing bleeds into sitting down and listening to the bands that I love that play around here too. I, I don't sit down and listen to music. That's crazy. I've listened to their, I've listened to their stuff several times on the radio while I'm driving. Right. Um, but um, my my experience of learning the words and listening to it on repeat um, probably been about seven years gotcha. since I really sat down and. and thought about some music that's crazy okay so tell me tell me a little bit about where we're at now we're in instrumental records which is a studio that you've been trying to build for the better half of a decade yeah and i'll i'll go a step further and say that i've built it i'm building it um try is the first thing that you do but once you know we've done more than just try we've really right uh, We've really started this process, and unfortunately, um, it'll never be finished being built. So, because you always want to put new toys in there, I'm gonna keep building with the yeah. studio until I die. But uh, yeah, so I was uh, I was young playing Enjoy Radio and in high school, and uh, you know, technology had really gotten there, and people can record at home nowadays. So I started off with a bunch of uh, like dollar store mics, talking about Radio Shack stuff, and. Uh, recording to a mixer that went into my, the the headphone port in the front of my <laughs> desktop in my parents' house. Um, they let me play in their living room until midnight or later. I mean, I was in high school. These these people made me who I am. Yeah. Um, if I wouldn't have done all that, I wouldn't have gotten good at music. I probably would have gotten discouraged, and I'd probably listen to a lot more music now, actually. Right, right, right. You know, but my parents saved me from that. <laughs> um. Yeah, they, they were really tolerant with me. They let me do that stuff. And we started recording. And, uh, you know, we put a 
vocal mic on top and on the bottom of a snare drum until we found the right sound. And eventually I found out that it's a lot easier than that. You don't have to over, overthink the mics. You just have to learn where to place them right. Right. Um, but yeah, we've, I've learned a lot of stuff and it's all been an experiment. So I'm, I'm toying with mics. I'm trying different random things and trying to do fun things. It's interesting to me. Um, there's a, there's a ton of people out there that, uh, are all about radio, uh, quality songs and you know the bass has got to be thumping and all the electronic noises that you hear in music mm-hmm. today and all of this other stuff i am more into the acoustic like what we actually create with uh i like to put a microphone on something before i like to right. put a usb in it and for you you the i think one of the more unique things about you is that you've been recording and learning how to record alongside with the, the different bands that you've been a part of too so you've grown musically as you've grown recording wise too yeah yeah it's uh it's actually been a great thing like i guess uh if i break it down like all of the bands and the guys i was working with and who i was when i was playing in that band is whatever character or role i played you know if i was a keyboardist or a guitarist or a drummer um they challenged me to get better at that instrument but um all the while in the studio when we sit down to record stuff they were challenging me to deal with all of their bs and uh <laughs> get recordings done and and we were always successful and things always came out but i i uh i'm happy with this weird avant-garde uh trashy sound that we make in the studio it's something different i kind of cherish what i do right i like to i like to lay down like cut into some wax yeah because you just released the split with you uh with moldire and brother Screeper. yeah right so can you tell me a little bit about how that process worked for you? Um, it, it went really well. It was amazing, actually. Uh, Brothers Creeper, uh, that band is amazing. Those guys came in here and um, they they were humble and, and modest and all of this stuff. And then we turned the mics on. And I was, I've worked with a lot of different people in the studio. And the first thing that people do that they don't admit that they do is they get nervous. And uh, it... Part of what I learned how to do here is to be a therapist, to actually make people feel comfortable to do what they're recording. And uh, those guys showed up and we went to record them and not a word. They didn't say anything. He said, put it on this BPM. And I turned the click track on and they rolled and we didn't talk. They they were they were more professional than they ever could have admitted to. I don't think that they knew that, that they were that awesome. And they were. And that's um, fun because they're, they're really just goofballs on stage. Yeah. So you you get that kind of that that both aspects of them to where they put on this great show, they're they're huge showmanship, and then the fact that they can actually go in, crank out a record because they've been doing that for a while. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you see both sides of it has to be pretty rewarding for you too. Yeah. I mean, I was just I, I was happy to be there. Like I'm kind of sit I'm sitting here at the the in the control room where we're at now, and uh, looking over this window, and. I mean, if I had a cup of coffee, I was just sipping on it, acting real cool. But these guys did everything. I mean, they came in here, we we set it up, and and they just flourished. Um, and they do that. They do that in everything they do. They're really talented people. Um, we did, and uh, a lot of people spend a lot of money on recording time. So do I. Um, those guys came in here and recorded um, a cover that they released for Scooby Doo. It was called mm-hmm. Terror Time. That song was awesome. Uh, they did that, and two two songs that we put onto that split EP and I only had hot mics on for four days at four hour runs. So we're talking about, they did this stuff in under 16 hours. That's pretty impressive to and, get it all done. I mean, we got together a couple of times after that and we did a lot of mixing and editing, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff drags on. 
I won't count up those hours, but it wasn't much. And, and these guys threw it together and, and they did their part before I could blink. I mean, was there a big difference between recording a band like that and recording Moldire where you have a lot more dynamics into it? Yeah. Um, by dynamics, you mean, um, myself and Sebastian and Jake, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we have a little bit of a different experience when we're recording. Uh, those guys are brothers to me. So, I mean, they come in here and we record and we, we work things out and we're experimental. So we do a lot more, uh, playing around in the studio whereas those guys come in they know what they're recording and they do their job right you know they play the songs they came to play and and we do our little bit but when when i'm recording engineer and i'm also lead guitarist or whatever it is i'm gonna play around and have some more fun so it's a little more of an experiment when those guys get in here we'll uh we'll make those shrill highs and those low lows and and make the song sound weird you know <laughs> it's so. like true witches right yeah yeah, yeah. I've, uh, but I've done that in everything. I mean, Joy Radio has a lot of old recordings, and they're just off the wall. And you go through, uh, I, like, I, we, we've talked about re-releasing and putting out some remastered tracks because I was in high school when I did some of that. Um, but the songs were great, and you listen to some of it, and it's just harsh and, and, and crisp. And some of it's weird, um, but it's all experimental, and it sounds cool. So I get to do that with Maldire more than I would ever force my weirdness on someone like Brothers Creeper. Not that they wouldn't like it. I just right. probably weird them out. Who knows? <laughs> so you've been, I'm trying to remember now. So it was Joy Radio and now we have Moldire and we have Last Known Yeti that you're you're being a part of. Yeah. Can you talk to me a little bit about how you write for those three different bands? Because for you, obviously we talked about how you don't listen to music. Apparently that's a thing and you just take everything from your head. But are you being able to balance between your different roles between all the, the three different bands? Cause with joy radio, you were just basically drumming and being that back piece. And then I, I remember seeing you drum and play guitar at the same time, which is still <laughs> nonsense to me. Yeah. It's still <laughs> nonsense to me. Um, I was playing the lead line too. Yeah. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so in a coffee house in 2006. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so talk to me a little bit about your, your different roles and how you balance that out a little bit. So I guess the first thing I do is um, when I'm doing any project is I figure out what that role is. Like, what am I supposed to do? What am I doing here? Like, um, so with Maldire, I've got this thing that I do. Um, I might bark a little bit and howl at the moon during that set. But um, there's a stage presence that I've put together. And I, I, I actually, uh, as a performing artist, and this is something I'll say to anyone else that's in the field, um, when you're practicing, when you're rehearsing at home, um, you practice songs and once you've practiced them and figured them out, then you start rehearsing them and running through a setup. Um, when you start rehearsing, you need to start practicing your stage presence. So I'm, I'm in my garage all alone, bobbing my head around, skipping around and acting foolish. Uh, I may look stupid then, but it looks well practiced when I get out on the stage. Yeah. So. And you'd look at like a lot of the pop stars that learn how to dance and sing at the same time. I imagine it's kind of the same thing because yeah, you're the rocker in me wants to laugh at that all day. I mean, and, and I do laugh at that stuff all day. If I see that, it just, to me, I think there's, I almost make a mockery of it because of mm -hmm. what I've been taught and what I think. But the truth is, is I'm sitting here doing the same thing. I right, mean, right. I, I call it something different. Like I'm head banging and I'm, I'm slinging my guitar around. Like I'm chopping down trees. But with you're my not eye. missing the, the guitar notes. You're not missing it. Nothing's being sloppy. Unless you make it sloppy. Yeah, and I do that too on purpose. Um, that's what I'll tell you. Yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, how am I going to be able to uh, bend this G note just right and head bob and, and prance around on my feet like I'm a wolf all at the same time, unless I practice it, you know? And that's got to be a fun film. I got to put a, a, a howl in there too, yeah, you know, yeah. while I'm doing that, I got to howl at the moon and it's, but, um, but you were saying all of the different brands, the bands, and actually they are brands, you know, there's right. an image um, that I've put together for Yeti and it, it's more of a studious guitarist. Like I'm playing lead over there and I've got my bow tie on. Um, I'm going to headbang and get into the music, but I'm going to kind of plant my feet a little heavier where I'm standing and, and do that lead guitar thing that people do. Um, twiddle around on my axe but mm-hmm. it's a different stage presence and there's a different voice that i'll pull out for that and this is slightly different i sound the same who knows but um you know yeti on guitar and Maldire on guitar i probably sound similar between the two different bands because i'm brandon on guitar and that's mm-hmm. the stuff that i end up writing the music i'm in so i i separate them with a, a stage presence and a feel but but essentially it's all coming from the same core of a musician so it's somewhere inside of me whatever you know um so joy radio on the drums it's a little bit different um the drum set is an extension of me and i just kind of flail around like animal um from sesame street and and it comes out with something sounding really cool and i've always been able to play with numbers weird in my head so i can make some weird drum lines so it was just me acting weird have you found with the the bands that you've been in um where one represents your true self more than the others? No, I, I, I guess more so over time, I've probably found how nobody really represents me more than I do. Um, any of the bands that I'm in, like one day, guys, I'll write some of my own songs and I'll go do my thing, singer-songwriter style, and that'll probably be me um, best represented by myself. Um, but who am I? who I am in Maldire or who I am in Last Known Yeti or as a drummer. I mean, all of those things are, are what they are. Um, I'll never, as, as a, as the rhythm guitarist for Maldire that does the vocals that I do, I've found my place in that band and I put my piece in, but, um, it's not the epitome of everything that I'll ever write. So, I mean, Last Known Yeti, I put my heart into those lead lines, but I don't think that I'll actually, um, say that I don't think that any of them grab me better um, than I do with myself. If I was right. going to uh, write my own music, it would probably be a better example gotcha. of me okay. grabbing myself. Yeah, that that's always a fun time, right? You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> so with you being in those two bands too, you're playing shows a lot, right? So yeah. you're recording, you're playing, you're rehearsing. How do you juggle all that? A and then the B with that is how do you try to consciously think about your presence both locally and then in a bigger, uh, more not nationally, but not just your local scene trying to get up to Baltimore because we're right now we're in St. Mary's and St. Mary's is its own little pocket. And I've, I've talked about this before on some of the other shows is that it's it's very much its own little pocket of society where you can get sucked in and you can get stuck down here. So do you think about that with both of your active bands that, that you do now? Yeah, and um, there's, a, there's a balance that the band finds. So between me and the guys that I'm playing with in whatever band we're talking about that day... Um, how much do we want to play locally and how much do we play locally? Um, 
and afar. So we'll we'll travel out to Baltimore and DC, things like that, in our general area. Um, maybe to sum it up with like, hey, I can pretty much make the Delmarva area in a day drive, but we're doing this on our own, man. We're we're pumping our gas into the car, and we're not getting paid to drive to these places. So um, realistically, I've always thought that art was made in the studio. Um, what we do on stage and our performing, that is an art as well. So you've got to kind of represent both sides of it. So we try to spend a lot of time recording. Um, and the, the flow of the year kind of takes me into the studio with different bands at different times. Um, we all have family lives that we live to. And then we, we try to balance it with a good, we like to spice it up and, and do a couple of shows in all of the areas as much as we can. But we're just a bunch of dudes with day jobs here. We're, we're all doing the best we can. And, and you know, we're not going to be jumping on jet planes and flying to Japan. Right. Uh, so my focus is actually more so in the local community. And, and I'll say that, like, I want to start small. My, my main focus is right here in St. Mary's, of course. And things have been growing and happening. But then uh, my heart is really tied to the whole Tri-County area. The people that we all work with here... Um, are spread out, but we're all working in the same general area. If you're from Southern Maryland, you know what I'm talking about. Like we're we're all here in the the armpit of the U.S. and and no one else is uh no one else is really affecting us. Right. So then from there we get out to Baltimore and D.C. and some of these places where we're hoping to snag a new listener or find a new fan, and that's not where the people in Baltimore are going on the, the the evenings you know when you drive up there on a thursday night that you're not going to be playing for baltimore you're going to be playing for the people that come and support you right so you're going to be playing for your fans so when it when it comes down to it i think that uh the community down here has been growing and that's helping everybody in that community and i think that soon we're going to have festivals popping off here that have 500 people lined up in a field to see you play where we can drive to any state and, and county, but we're relying on a built-in scene. So you, you got to hope that your booking agent actually knows people that come to this venue or or you have to spend a lot of money to bust your friends out across the country, and that's that's difficult. Like, you know, uh, we uh, we grow together locally down here, and then my, my dream scenario would be that these guys that are working really hard down here to do good things would actually grow to the point where we're taking and filling out a place in Baltimore and bringing our scene with us. And I, I've seen, I've played those shows. So we've played mm-hmm. a couple of those venues in Baltimore where, you know, initially it's a pay to play. And then by some whim of luck, everyone we know wanted to go to Baltimore that weekend or had nothing going on. So, you know, we, we actually bring like 15, 20 people up to a place like that. Um, you actually were one of the dudes that I tricked into coming out there. I tricked, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I but, came in, I think the last song of your set that's your fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we, we have really great days like that. And, and my picture perfect is doing that. I, I don't I don't want to waste the gas money just to go get, you know, we have a great stage down here. We, we have good venues down here where we can get the good photography and the great video right. and light work. Um, so they're actually removing the need to drive to Baltimore or D.C. We are trying to get our name out there. And I think that if other communities were growing and maturing, the way that I've seen it happening down here, that you would see some people from that local vicinity actually going to that bar to see some decent bands because they trusted it. And right. I think that um, maybe we broke the trust in our fans in these areas or they just don't know us. But, you know, in time, 
I'd love to see every every local area showing out for some of their original artists. You know, right. you, you never know who's going to be the next great songwriter or what. And and right now, as far as the radio goes, my opinion is the stuff that you guys are hearing that's been like handpicked and selected and and uh, corn fed for you in America um, is not necessarily the greatest artists and songwriters like there's a lot more stuff that's just not even it's not rippling the system we right we, we can't get our names out there it's too many of us do you also because you're you're what almost 30 yeah i'll be 30 right? january 11th so do you right welcome to adulthood uh but do you ever kind of think back and somewhat regret or look forlornly on the fact that I haven't toured, I haven't really been able to get out maybe over up and down the East Coast to the West Coast, because I think you've been mostly local. It's true. I mean, yeah, I've been in this area and, you know, um, there's this dream of becoming an artist that everyone sees in the movies. And uh, I never really... That was never really my passion, so I never felt like I was ever missing anything by not jumping on a bus and wasting all this time. I've actually, uh, someone lit a fire under my ass when I was a little kid. You can edit that out, sorry. Um, I was 18 years old and things got serious in my life and uh, time is very, very valuable. Um, It is constantly slipping away and I'd love to go play in North Carolina if we know that we can meet some awesome people down there. And you know we would. You know, wherever we'd go, we'd find some great people in whatever community we're playing in. But um, I, my time was of the essence. And so I kind of had to find a good balance and, and be realistic. I'm trying to do recordings and I'm trying to get my name out a, around the local area. And that, that works. Um, it'll grow in the other areas. And, and if I ever tour, I'll tour. It's not like I don't want to. Yeah, sure. Right. I do it. You got to pay me a lot of money to rip me away from my day job. Yeah. And that's a, to anyone listening to this, it's got to be a big number. I also think for you, you're in a unique position where you, you have kids, you've had them for a good portion of your life, right? Yeah. So especially your music career. So you really have to come at it with a different perspective of, I can't just, be in a van and tour because I have to be able to support yeah, everything else. How that's effective happening. is it really? How, I mean, you right. jump in your, your minivan and you, you drive all of your equipment down the whole, we've seen the meme and I'm just going to bring up modern, you know, society, um, $5,000 worth of gear into a $500 car for 50 bucks. Yeah, no, I was cooking dinner. Like I, I had to do something else. Like I was busy that day. Sorry. I missed out on that great experience. I'd love to do it, but, um, I'm, picking and choosing the things that I put my heart into and I'm I'm spread thin already frankly there's there's not much more of me that I can divvy out I'm a busy guy so I had to learn to decide you know is this going to be a good idea like is it worth it for us to um like we we did great at soundstage that was a show Mm -hmm. I think I don't know if that's the one you'd come to but we did great at the soundstage show and the the show was awesome and you know if, if that guy hit us up you know this this booker that says he does promotions and you sell all your tickets for him um when that guy hits us up uh what what do we do uh uh, go play the next weekend after that we just had a great turnout at soundstage it doesn't make sense to me that we would go back to soundstage the following saturday if we just did really good the week before so it's kind of like as opportunities present themselves you gotta you gotta kind of know your battle and and pick it you know 
don't don't sign yourself up for stuff that isn't going to really pay off. Yeah, and I think it's something that a lot of people don't think about and because you're in a unique situation where you have to you've you know, life has made you pick and choose your your places of success and failure and basically calculate a risk where a lot of people don't think about that. They think, "Okay, I need to go play as much out as possible." And I I need to go out and get my name out there where you can you can where, really where balance that there's out. There's a little risk in that. I mean, you're going out, you're getting your name out there. The worst thing that could happen was you find a new fan. I mean, what are you going to do? Make someone hate you so much that they they blast right. you on Facebook? I mean, the I would just I was forced to to have to find a different way to weed through that. So I had to, to be picky choosy because I had to. Um, whereas street teaming it for the rest of my life, I could do that. I could get my name out there, but I had to, I had to pick those battles as they came. So, you know, you got you got a lot of stuff to do. You got to prioritize. Yeah. And I think it's something too, that when you are a young band, that's all you think about. And then you misstep and oversaturate your market. Right. So we were to your point where if I just had a good turnout in Baltimore, why do I want to go back the same or the next weekend and try to do it again when everything kind of came together. I have to be able to give myself time to promote, give myself time to plan, give myself time to connect with the fans that were just there and try to get them back and yeah. let the, the the word of mouth spread a little bit, which I think is kind of the thing that you think about now. Uh, we were talking off mic a little bit about playing so many local shows and, and how that is sometimes a detriment. It is fun to go out there, right? Yeah. You just let loose. There are shows where you don't have to take yourself so seriously of course. and just jam out. But if you're in a place like yourself where you've been recording your bands, you've been part of all these bands, it's been you know half of your life at this point, and now you have this other piece where – people your age now are having their kids, their, their family, their career. And they're not thinking about that when they're 19, 20. Yeah. You had, you were basically in that position to think about that. Yeah. So I, uh, maybe I learned to, to fret the, I mean the, the, the adult life kind of makes you fret things in a good way. You got to plan, you got to be prepared and, and uh, the zombie apocalypse is coming. Um, but but you you can get oversaturated. You can overplay your friends. I mean, your friends are coming out. Your fr- your fans better be your friends, or you're not doing this right, man. You're joking yourself if you don't care about the people that care about your music. But um, but I mean, I I I've really I've watched the numbers for a lot of years. We're looking at fifteen some uh, sixteen years of me playing shows down here, and and I, I was pretty consistent during that time frame. And when I say sixteen years, I don't mean that I stepped on my first little stage. At, no, that was probably. But, couple years before that like i've been pretty consistent around here and and uh i'm a numbers guy so i'm counting heads and not i'm you've got a name and i know your name and we're we're good friends but when i notice you come out to my show i also notice you the next time you come out and i kind of will tell you that your your friends are going to come out and support you especially if you do good music and especially if they're your good friends um both of those things factor in how much they care about you and how good you play but uh be the best musician in the world they got a family they're not going to come out every time so i've watched the numbers and i'd say that people are going to come out once every three months 
generally every person that is one of your fans that cares about you, you'll see them out once every three months or so through the quarters of the year. You know, your winter cabin fever, you want to bring them out that time. You want to bring them out in the springtime because the flowers are blooming. You know, I thought that that made sense and I've been watching this and, you know, so so as far as St. Mary's goes. I want to play in St. Mary's four times a year then. I want to make sure I have a lot of time to sell those tickets and advertise to all the event coordinators out there. Give us time. We will bring people to the show, but we got to plan it, and they got to plan it. Their kids have got to find daycare so they can come watch us play music. we got to be realistic about this. If you want us to sell those tickets for you and to fill your house and bring our crowds, then you got to let us have time to do it. But, um, it, you know, that means that I've, I can go hit the Dunkirk area somewhere in, 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 you know, either of these three counties four times a year. That's 12 gigs. That's once a month. And if you spread them out right, you're hitting different crowds properly and you're not overplaying or oversaturating what you're doing and you're helping them to convince their friends to come out the next time, three months from now, when they actually have time to plan for it, you know. Um, in the holiday season, we just had a really great turnout at Five South Black Friday. Um, it, it, there's certain times a year where you get people out so there's a lot of right. other factors. So so it's not just the saturation and how much they come out. But, you know, Black Friday, everyone wanted to get trashed. They wanted to go see their friends. They wanted to have a night out after all of that fun family time. You know, they wanted to get away from the turkey dinner uh, and, and have a good time. So they came out. And you have people that are in town that are normally out of town. Um, those kind of things factor in, too. But you have to do it all strategically and you got to kind of pick your battles. So if you want to go play those shows at Baltimore, you got to make sure that you're bringing those same people that you would normally bring out to one of those shows you're playing somewhere else, you know. Um it's it's a it's a hectic balance. Yeah. Did you ever think about because you your music career has grown with your actual career and your family. So everything when I think about you, I think it's a unique situation where I've seen you mature in pretty much every aspect of your life as your music has been consistent, as your recording has been consistent, as you know everything else has fallen through. So did you ever think to yourself that maybe I need to not do music, maybe I need to focus on this, or maybe I can feasibly give up maybe take a step back in my career to pursue music or how have you even balanced those, those aspects of your life out? Yeah, it's a, it's actually a, like a daily struggle. So um, I'm a really analytical person. So I'll tell you that there's a thousand, like there's algorithms in my head. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, if I'm going to um, uh, have band practice tonight or if I'm going to cancel on the guys, cause I, I don't really feel it. In my, you know, and then, you know, maybe the, my son's just got, you know, the new game that came out, uh, Call of Duty Five came out last year. You know, um, we're we're gonna spend some time together, and I gotta figure out every day like what what priority am I gonna take care of? And and to be honest, I've never actually thought of getting rid of anything. So what I try to do is do the things that are in front of me that I can do. You know, when when my sons are playing games and they wanna they they're feeling my sons are 11 years old. We're talking about preteens. So, you know, when they want to talk to dad, um, we're going to spend some time together and I might make the band wait for an hour and right. I'm going to, and I'll walk out and, and, and they'll be waiting for me warming up and they'll make the face and they'll, they'll suck it up because they're not going to, they're, they're all great dudes. They're not going to argue for a second that I would be spending family time. You know, um, I do dinner with my kids every night. Um, we, 
we have a, a happy family. We I work a full time job, so I'm gone nine hours and they're in daycare and, and when I come back, you know, um it's it's either I'm working on things in my house, I'm working on music or I'm spending time with my family. But Sometimes that's Netflix and chill. We'll put on some Ninja Turtles, you know, and sit down on the couch. But, you know, most of the time I, I don't do that stuff. I, don't, I, I just, I guess I got done confessing to everyone that I don't listen to music as much as I want to. But right. I, I don't sit and watch TV. I put, I put Star Trek on and fall asleep, you know. That's my TV experience. So I don't do a lot of that stuff. And when I do, it's mostly to try to spend time with my family. But you, you got to stay busy all the time. I, yeah. And th- this isn't even like, uh, we're, we're just like the tip of the iceberg here. There's so much stuff that I have on my to-do list. Right. Um, I'll never run out of things to do. And I would be unhappy. I would just be a sad soul <laughs> if I wasn't, if I wasn't booked up beyond this year, I'd be a sad person. So the fact that I, I'll never run out of things to do keeps me moving. Is that part of your sense of self-preservation and to keep moving and to not be stagnant or yeah it's survivalist as hell uh i I edited myself a little bit there um (laughs) so yeah it's survivalism here man like i i've got to find a way to to beat down this this um great depression that's settling in on all of america and i think that you know the the numbers are, are scary right now what what americans feel like um, we're, we're sad people right now. Um, there's a lot of depression going on. We all f- fight it and feel it, but, uh, it's survivalism. I stay busy cause I don't want to let that, uh, transcendental, um, set in, you know, what is it? No existential dread. There you go. I can't yeah. speak right now. That's Words. All right. I'm not a, a lyricist either. So don't <laughs> worry. You don't have to worry about me writing crappy songs. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was one of the the more harrowing times of my life, and I say that very uh, cheeky and very you know very snarkily. Where I did I did lose my job. I was laid off, and I was unemployed for three months, just on my mom's couch, and it was one of the worst times because you want to be busy, you want to go out and do things. When you're not working, at least for me, it you I don't feel like I'm like myself. So it, it was always a part of me where that staying busy, keeping going forward, and and keeping moving was always uh, a part of me as well. To to bury other stuff that I was dealing with, to keep my head going, to to not have to think some of that stuff. Um, when time stops. That's that's a little dangerous sometimes, I feel like. Yeah, you don't want all that stuff you've been running from to catch up to you. I mean, if you stop and think too long, it, you'll find yourself in a hole. I mean, we, we all have the, 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 the struggles that we've lived with and grown through, um, but they're still there. Like, and, and it's the fact that you're pushing on in life in general that shows that you're okay and you're coping. So you, you've done great and you're moving on with your life. But, uh, um, I mean, I've been there, so I, I've... I didn't lose my job, thank Christ. Uh, but at one point, I was living on my own with my two-year-old sons, and you know, a roommate fell through. With it. they had a better opportunity, so I was left with now I've got to move back home with mom and dad, and and it was a uh, it was difficult. Like there, I love my parents; they've been great to me. But there was a certain 
I had a hold of the reins when I was in my own place. I was raising my children right. the way that I wanted to, and, and I was taking care of my house as much as I could. And But then you, you go back home to your parents, and it's just back onto autopilot like when you were a kid. And um, when we were kids, we, we took advantage of how much time we had to process our thoughts. Yeah. How much downtime you have when someone else is making food in the house or someone else is, you know, is shoveling the driveway. I mean, you spread it out like when you're living with a family and a community, like there's less for you to do. So that's more time to think about all the stuff that went wrong. So, um, yeah, stay busy. We all have hobbies and they're healthy. And um, if I didn't stick to my hobbies, I would have probably been a terrible father. I love my sons and I would have tried to have been good to them, but um, how, how good can I be to my family when I'm giving up on the things that I love and the things that bring me happiness? What kind of happiness would I have to give back to them? Because you have to remember those hobbies recharge you. So that's right. giving you the positive energies and, and then you, the, you, you're happy now because you do the thing that makes you happy and you're able to give that to the people that you love. If you don't... Uh, and you, you fall into depression. You're, you're, you're just dishing that out to the people that you care about. Yeah. Do you think that's one of the, the underlying reasons for you to keep going and keep motivated to pursue music, to pursue everything else that you're doing now? No, no, no. I mean, I love my family and uh, that's all one thing. But the thing that motivates me to do what I'm doing here is just because I'm stubborn, man. I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to give up. This This has nothing to do with any kind of thought pattern this is just pure i'm i'm gonna do this i'm I'm gonna wake up every day this is what defines me and i'm gonna do this i couldn't imagine myself not doing this so it is absolutely the big the pig-headed stubborn jerk of a guy that says every day i'm a musician but it's what makes me happy um so in turn i'm happy for it and that that all bleeds out into my life but um it's just sheer like yeah i'm just gonna do this i'm not gonna give up I, I'll never give up on anything. If I tell you I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I may be really slow at it. I may be a little, um, I may be a little troubled on the way. Uh, things are not easy, but if I say I'm going to do it, I'll try to do it. You know. Do you have any upcoming major goals for the the music that you're doing now? Yeah, um, there's always goals. That's that's part of the yeah. I mean, how far out you want me to start a year back and work our way to date? Um, yet last note Yeti is releasing their EP on December 8th. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. It sounds great. You guys are going to love it. Last known Yeti is this interesting thing. It's this, it's this enigma. You, you don't know what's coming at you and then you're getting hit with a thousand bricks. Um, the, uh, Moldier album is in, in work. We, we obviously released, um, two, two songs on that split, split EP, um, Last Noon Yeti's also got an album coming out to match up with that EP that they're putting out. So we have December 8th, Last Noon Yeti's self-titled EP is coming out in January sometime. And we're not pinning down a date yet, but, you know, my birthday is January 11th, Matt, you know. <laughs> but uh, we're trying to release the rest of that album. It's recorded, so we're aiming for when it's snowing to give you something from the Yeti. And that, uh, That's how that you'd want it to be, right? Yeah, exactly. There's, there's got to be snow on the ground the day it releases, or I won't release it. I'll make you all wait. <laughs> so that's snow on the ground in Southern Maryland. Okay, that's a very finicky place. Yeah. So you're going to have to see you guys that in out. 2020. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
you know, and that, that project's getting wrapped up and Moldire's got a list of songs ready to go. We've got a full album and it's going to be great. Um, we're, we're honing in on recording techniques and stuff that we're going to try for that album right now. Um, no tentative release date as of yet, but the Moldire album is in work. Um, and I'm working with a lot of other people out here. We're doing open mics. I'm playing at other people's open mics and there's a lot of things going on. Um, the brass rail has allowed us to set up some gigs there recently, which is, it's gone well. They have a nice space and, and people always have a good time. You know, they won't let us charge. So we can't, we can't make you pay to come right. see it. It's a free show. It's terrible. I know you guys hate it, but <laughs> so thinking about that and then thinking about where you, where the, the tri-county area is, uh, where your, your own music is, where your own, uh, community is, what do you what do you want to see happen in this area the most? Yeah, some of the next levels of growth that we need to do. It's it's kind of hard to stand back and say, well, this is where our community is right now because not everyone's on that same level yet. But I'm seeing a lot of different people with different mentalities and uh, a, a lot more positive vibes from everyone. Um, it's, not, it's not kill or be killed in this music industry. And, you know, you can treat it like that all you want but um you're just you're just hurting yourself because now you, that, that's no fun like i maybe you like like attacking other people or or plotting against people secretly um i don't think any of these bands here are really trying to do any of that stuff i don't think that we want to have a bad day um but we're working together and i think that the next step is these the the tri-county area we have a lot of a lot of very vested people in this music scene and i think that they're all working to help pull everyone together so they're meeting somebody that runs a venue in dc or we have people that that book shows in baltimore with us all the time and we'd like to introduce them to this other band if if we see a lot of that kind of stuff then we're, we're branching out of our tri-county area and we're we're still working within our tri-county area so we're working with the people that we're working with in this music scene and together we're actually taking stuff from St. Mary's, from Calvert and from Charles and taking it up to the big city and bringing a good crowd and doing all of these things to put together better shows um, where we're not letting the pay-to-play um, booking agencies uh, drive our show schedule so much. You know, they, They're going to call you and ask you to play on this random date, and that's fine, but if I played with you know a great band like Flying Jacob, they're, they're awesome. Um, if I played with some people that I know, you know, last known Yeti gets up there and we have shallow deep, how many people are going to come from our little tri-county area to go see them in the city? And maybe, I mean, shoot, the band should all get a bed and breakfast and let everyone trash it, right. whatever. But we can do something way bigger as a community than any one of us can do as a singular band, especially if you're letting those booking agencies run your life. Why don't we say, here's the date that we're going to play with all of these different people and let us bring a good lineup in. You don't know any of the bands you're booking. You like them all, but you don't know who they know. So the communities, you know, there's a great thing about that, though. The, 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 the double edge of that blade is when you go and play with those bands you've never met before, you make new connections. Yeah, I'm new friends and And, and that growth is important. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not casting out other artists from other areas. I'm just saying that our artists down here can work together to actually bring a good crowd to that show. And I'm pretty sure that those other bands would be happy that we did that too. Are you also conscious of the, I think it's a fact 
that there's really no one filling the gap between your generation and any kind of new generations coming in. Absolutely. It's terrible, man. There's, there's nothing for our children. My kids are the oldest of what would be considered our generation's kids. Mm -hmm. So I, I started, I did that on purpose, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. It was definitely not a mistake. Not. Yeah. Those (laughs) those boys taught me a lot and they made me who I am. They gave me the drive that I have to succeed. And, my sons have no music community that they could be part of. We played at teen centers and we had, you know, there was feedback. Yeah. There was a lot of feedback, but we were kids and someone gave us a place to do that. And, you know, at all ages were welcome and all of these like things that really mattered to little kids. You don't see anymore. So, so I've actually, I've talked to like the great mills, Great Mills High School Guitar Club. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They put together a show with us at Five South during the day on a Sunday when there was nothing going on. They were really accommodating at Five South, and and we put together a little PA and 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 pulled some bands together. We had a couple of the adults that play around here, and the youth come out, and we had a couple bands from high school come out and play. They were awesome. They were awesome. I mean, unique and and, but there was only one band. From, yeah. from the high school that, they were, that I think that the kids are discouraged from doing it because they don't feel like they would be accepted into something. And to me, that same community that accepted me in by my pig headed stubbornness um, saved me. And now I can't see my sons ever getting an opportunity to do that unless people like we did one show. I'm talking about what's regular that your kids could go to where you would feel safe sending them uh, to any of the parents listening. You know what I mean? Like there's gotta be a safe balance. Like you, you've got to be able to take them somewhere and drop them off or stay there with them as I would do. I mean, I'd stand in the back of the room and watch the bands play all day too, you know? Um, but there's gotta be a place where I can feel safe doing that. And right yeah. now there's, there is zilch zero, nothing. We have like what one festival every like year, maybe that kids are actually right. invited to. I tried to change that here in my own backyard. We had a couple parties and, and you know, we had bands playing and, and we had people to bring their kids out and they played with Nerf guns for May the 4th to celebrate star Wars. And it's, you know, amazing legacy. Yeah. But the kids need that stuff. Yeah. It's something you know? that, that I think about all the time and, stuff that i think i've talked about on previous episodes is you know what i think one of the things that in the future that if we do not so i'll 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 say this when when i first saw i I think it was when i first saw deadbeat holiday play i have known those guys since they were 14 15 16 mm-hmm. and seeing them play for the first time in a decade was amazing seeing them mature seeing them put on a whole huge show at five south which was great but i immediately pictured the fact that there are no there's no new blood and there's no safe place comfortable place for people to go and, and get that energy out and what boggles my mind is that ki- uh, parents are still sending kids to go get guitar lessons, to get yeah. drum lessons. Yeah. There's there's island music in La Plata that they go to. There's I'm sure there's places around here, Allegra. I don't know if that's still around. Yeah. Um, but you know we have we have places where people are going to play music, but there's no like community anymore. So it's it's disappointing, and I think that's where. 
the musicians that I that are here, I hope, are able to maybe think about that in the long term of things and try to figure out how to bring that up and and how to get that back into where we're basically backfilling our community to where once we're gone, it doesn't just die. Yeah, and and I like I like that we have a couple people that emerge from the woodwork from every generation. So you you still have people coming out slowly. Um, there's there's a lot of things involved in that. So th- that kid that's taking that lesson, they're going to recite their their music to their parents somewhere. They might do it at a, a Halloween or a high school uh, talent show or something like that. Uh, but no one else is hearing about it. You know, and and maybe they're not taught to be proud. And the the stage stage fright is is absolutely the number one artist killer. You know, you, you're nervous about getting and playing in front of people. And I was forever, forever. I I mean, for a lot of those 15 years, I was nervous on stage and sweating <laughs> bullets. I mean, I learned to get over it, but it was a long. It, I was stubborn. I'm stubborn. I'm stubborner than your average bear. Right. And. You know, it takes a lot to work through that social anxiety to get up on stage and play in front of people. And, you know, it makes it even easier to not do anything with the art that you've been practicing when you're afraid to get up on stage and there's no place for you to actually do that anyway. So you don't have to worry about it. So where do they go and play? You know, there's open mics. Uh, Steve Nelson runs an open mic at Last Drop uh, here in right right down from my house. I mean, mm-hmm. it's nice. It's close by. I uh, Instrumental Records puts on a open mic at Brass Rail. And uh, it, these platforms are supposed to be open to allow people to come out and play. And and I see people come out that, that haven't played on a stage yet. And, I mean, we're talking about older men and women that, I mean, some of them play a lot and they're great musicians. But some of these people come out for the first time in a long time and, and try to wipe the dust off of the guitar and and I wish that we had more places for them to do a proper show and open mic to get more used to playing in front of people but unfortunately a lot of people succumb to that stage fright and they don't get there um, it's a certain it's a certain person type you have to you have to enjoy being on the stage enough you actually have to enjoy the fear so it's gonna be scary I'm sure um, maybe this is just me but I love the terror of stepping <laughs> on stage like the adrenaline rush to me to overcome that is what I enjoy so much, but that's not for everyone. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of those people that are learning how to play the guitar that don't ever want to play on stage in front of people. Um, and there's a lot of people that write great songs and they don't want to get on stage. Maybe there'll be a songwriter for some, you know, other person and, and share their, their art still, but how do we make those connections and are they doing that stuff? And where, where does the local community commune? Yeah, and how do you build the safe space for everybody to feel comfortable enough to to play? Yeah, and and screw the millennials. I'm not talking about a safe space like for your for your yeah. emotions. Like no, is like screw you all. First of all, <laughs> but but what I mean is we need a safe place for artists to go up and and overcome those fears. And and that's exactly what it is. It's the same concept or idea, but let's not blow it out of proportion and make that a joke. Like getting on stage and playing is not not the easiest thing like this is something that deserves a little bit of that safe space to to get your bearing on what you're doing um or you'll never get there uh, yeah. so you've got to work through that somehow and yeah i mean i i like to think that that's what we have going on like so i go to brass rail every time we do it um I, it's it's a quiet place there's not a lot of people there 
Uh, you can come out and play your stuff, and you'll have a full PA. We have monitors, so you can f see what it feels like to be on a stage. We're going to put that light right in your eye, because that's where the sound guy always puts the light, is right in your eye, so that you can get temporary blinded, and you can <laughs> you can try to look at the people in the crowd, and that then you'll feel the sheer terror of being on stage. And if you love it enough, you'll overcome it. But you can't do that reciting to your family on the back porch. You know, it's a different experience. So we don't have uh, a lot of places like that, but they are there. And uh, I, I'd love to see more people coming out to them. But the two places that I just listed to you are 21 and over and you're drinking yeah. beer. So yeah. where, where are the kids doing this? Um, just to draw it back to where the root of the problem is, yep. the next generation is being discouraged and they don't have a place to do this and they have no outlets. And, and we're also talking about like the most emotional stages in somebody's life when they're going through teenage years and trying where to become an adult. Where you want all that expression to come out. That yeah, and, and maybe that's exactly what someone needs when they're in the height of that um, pubescent age. Like That's probably the worst time in anyone's life. Right, like yeah. teenage years, humiliating each other, trying to find yourself. Trying kids to are do mean, everything. and yeah. teenagers are mean, and and as you become an adult, things start to hurt your feelings more. So you're being mean to everyone, and you're getting your feelings hurt all the time. You know, teenagers have got it hard, and maybe music would be something that could help save some of these kids. I'm, and just to be frank, like I love my sons. Like just the notion to me that's that it saved me from a couple of ledges. Like I, yeah. it it kept me ticking, or I wouldn't be here today. Um, music did, and then I had my kids, and they made me tick faster and harder and stronger, and did everything I could to stay afloat and to still do the things that I love. It actually took me two years. I don't know. I didn't say this before. Um, my sons were born, and uh, I raised my kids alone. Um, shortly after they were born, I, I, I ended up being a single father and for about two years, I didn't play. Daniel actually finished mastering the ego death album for joy radio on his own in the, in the studio while I was in the house changing diapers. I mean, I did the best that I could to go out, but I didn't even go out for an entire evening until my sons were just about two years old. So I, I've always kind of kept track of it. Like I started to do things more often, mm -hmm. but I didn't actually start going out until the, they were two years old. You know, until the point where I had moved out and had to move back home. I was living on my own and that actually yeah. made it worse. So I yeah. was on my own with two kids for the while they were six months to a year and a half old. So yeah, legitimately I didn't go out for two years. I didn't play music. I listened to a lot of albums then though. <laughs> I listened to a lot of good albums.